Share with you what the Lord has been dealing with me all week on. And we started out this fast in the beginning of the year. And it's kind of an opportunity for us to yield our first fruits to God. To give the first parts of our hearts and the year and to commit it unto God. And, you know, pastor was preaching last week and he talked about prayer. And it was such a great, great, great message. And one of the things I was reflecting on as I was listening to the message over and over is when he, you know, he made so many statements and he said, you know, a lack of prayer shows that we depend upon ourselves more than we depend upon God. And that was so powerful to me. And, and I pray. And he said another statement that, I, that arrested me all week and I started to be very intentional and deliberate. And he said, many of us are thinking we're praying, but we're actually just thinking. And there are many times that I, I pray verbally. But there are many times I also sit down and have conversations in my head with God. And when he said that, I began to realize how indisciplined I was in that area. And how lazy it was to not convert my thoughts into words. And God gave me a conviction on that. And like I said, I do pray verbally. It's not that I don't have a prayer life. It's that in a certain way I got comfortable to a certain degree in my prayer life. And I began to be more intentional. And every time I would have a thought, I said, no, let me put the thought to words. And that's when I really realized how much I pray. I pray all day. But it was so good because my whole week shifted. And I began to really listen to the Lord this week. And it was unintentional what I was doing. But I began to recognize that it was normal. And God has said to me, you know, because I don't see myself in any current major sins and my heart's not bitter, I can overlook sometimes the little shifts that bring you backwards because you're not doing anything big. So you ignore the little shifts. (laughs) We're in church this morning. So we equate our attendance with our obedience. But Pastor Sarah, I'm here this morning. I made a big thing. You know, I drove and I came in the rain. But we don't realize a little shift in our heart backwards, even though we're sitting present here. And uh, I believe the lie. I'm still being blessed. Things are okay, God. Things are good. They're better than they used to be. But they're not where God wants us to be. And if we're not watchful, we become complacent in the blessing area that we have. And we'll become used to that plateau of blessing or that plateau of struggle. It will become normal and ordinary and acceptable to us because we have become complacent. And you see, the whole idea of fasting and praying and doing it is to commit our life to God on the first part and to say, hey, God, you still mean something to me. So I believe that there are times that We sit here out of obligation. It's what we do. 
on a Sunday. But our hearts, our hearts, we're our hearts when it comes to God. And many of us hear the word, but if we really check ourselves, we really don't have any intention to live it. And we say, God, I really want your will. But what we really say in our hearts is, I want your will as long as it agrees with mine. I don't want your will if you're going to ask me to give up the club. I don't want your will if you're going to ask me to give up the weed. I don't want your will if you're going to ask me to stop being spiteful to my husband. I don't want your will if, you don't, if you're going to ask me to stop being mean to my wife. I don't want your will. That's what we say in our hearts. And it shows up in our actions. And so God, I'm telling you, I labored over this. I prayed over this. I know I'm hearing God loud and clear. And so he gave me a prophetic word for us this morning. And the spirit of God would say to us, too many of my people have reruns in their lives because they would rather revisit the place of their comfort than return to me. Too many settle for their current levels. I have become a task on a list, an occasional visit, an ambulance in case of emergency. But I am the Lord God Almighty. I am the creator of the universe. I am the father of all living things. You cannot outrun me. But I charge you this day, return to me. Turn with me in your Bible to Zechariah 1, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And I love this Zechariah. I love the Old Testament. It's so rich with the word of God. And Zechariah opens up great with God's intention. It gives us God's frustration and it gives us God's remedy all in three verses. And it says, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, or Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet. Let's stop right there. The name Zechariah means the Lord remembers. His father's name, Berechiah, means the Lord blesses. And his grandfather's name, Edo, means at the appointed time. So the Lord opens up and talks to Israel. At this point in history, 50,000 Jews have left Babylon. They were given permission to go back to Jerusalem. But they were still in annex captivity. They were still under the rule of Babylon. But when they went back to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's walls were broken down. So they had a desire, they had a dream. And they went back. Are there broken walls in your life? You went back and it didn't look kind of like what you had anticipated. It didn't kind of work out that job that you were jumping after. And now it's kind of broken down. And so they went back into this thing and they started to rebuild the wall. But they got some persecution as was seen in Nehemiah. It was a delay of 16 years. And now they're discouraged because they're back in a land that's broken. A place they know they're supposed to be. But God says to them in their brokenness... God says to them in the middle of their shattered walls, listen, I remember you. And I have a blessing prescribed for you at an appointed time. This is my heart towards you. This is my will for you. This is my ultimate desire for you. But I have a problem. I have a frustration. 
And it says the Lord, verse 2, was very displeased with your fathers. Fathers can mean generations. Fathers can mean something that happened before. Fathers can mean, you know, it's something that's passed down. I look at it as I'm displeased with your routine. What has been established in your life. Therefore, say unto them, thus says the Lord of hosts, turn unto me or return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. Says the Lord of hosts. Now, I love the word Lord of hosts because it's a military term. It is an army term. It establishes God in this particular moment that he is not coming and speaking to us as comforter. He is not coming and speaking to us as friend, but he is speaking to us as Lord of hosts. In other words, I'm not joking around with you. I am commanding this army and I'm telling you, I'm not excited about what you're doing. He says, verse 4, Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets cried, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn you now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor did they hearken unto me, says the Lord. Your fathers, where are they now? And their prophets, do they live forever? In other words, God says his frustration is, I'm tired of telling you the same thing and you don't do it. I send my prophets to you over and over. I have Pastor Eben clothed in here every week and he says the same word over and over. And you forget it's the Lord of hosts because you only want me to be your friend. You only want me to be your comforter. You only want me to say what's good, but you don't want me to judge righteously among you. You don't want me to call you to a higher place of righteousness and holiness. This is what God is saying is look over and over and over. I say the same thing to you. I say that and I'm receiving this for me as well. When will I turn and not make my heart be stubborn and rebellious against God? When will we not use grace as a platform for sin? Lord, I know you'll forgive me anyway. You're a merciful God. Your loving kindness is better than life. It goes to a thousand generations. When will we stop trying to exhaust our grace and decide to return to him? But God says, return to me. Not return to my plans, your plans. In the beginning of the year, return to your vision boards. Return to your dreams. Return to your sketches and your ideas and your goals and what I'm going to do this year. He say, no, return to me and I'll set your goals. Return to me and I'll declare your vision. Return to me and I'll give you the plan. But what we're doing is we're making up a plan and saying, bless it. And he's saying, we have this backwards. We have this backwards. So he issues us that warning. And there's four areas we need to return. And the word return is the same term as repent. I know we don't talk about repentance much anymore. But there is such a thing as repent. Go back. Return to the original place. The penthouse of your best self. Repent. 
four ways, four places that we need to repent. Let's turn to Lamentation 340. The first thing we need to repent in and return to is our ways, our ways, our course of action, our journey, the road that we are taking, the direction that we're going, how we do a particular thing. And Lamentations 340 says this, let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. Haggai, who was a contemporary of Zechariah, they were there around the same time. Haggai 1.7 says this, consider your ways. In the context of Haggai, he says, listen, I am blowing on your things. You, you plant much, but it comes to little. Uh, uh, you, you get money and put it in pockets only to put it in pockets with holes in there. Is it a time for you to consider your own house when the house of God lays in ruins? Therefore, consider your ways. This is the context in which Haggai is saying and God is saying to us, consider our ways. You see, how do we consider our ways, Pastor Sarah? So Proverbs 3, 9 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our path. When God says, consider your ways, we look and we say, God, are you involved in my ways? Are you involved in my journey? Did I sit down and say, which step to take today, Lord? Where should I go next week, Lord? What do you have on me? Are we considering him? You see, we don't want to confuse our actions with our amens, you see? And we don't want to believe that our amens mean that we are doing actions. Just because we say amen, so be it, doesn't mean we're actually doing it. And he is saying, I want you to consider your ways. And if I am not involved in all your ways, you have considered me out of your ways. But if you remember that my heart is to bless you and that I'll never forget you and that there's an appointed time for you, you won't mistrust me like you do. You'll remember no one can love you like me. No one can change your situation like me. No one has you in the palm of their hand like me. I'm your best advocate. So don't mistrust me by leaving me out of the process. The second thing is, you know, we have to understand that um, we have to examine. We have to examine. Checking in with God. We've got to check in with God. We've gotten to the place where we toe the line and become comfortable in the gray. How far can you go without sinning? (laughs) I can be angry and sin not. So let me just be as angry as I can. Just right there. You know? I, I can fudge on my taxes just right there. We become these little toe line Christians. That are comfortable in the gray. Well, I can go to the club as long as I don't drop it. I can have him roll up in my house as long as I don't sleep with him. But, you know, he can do everything else. Toe line Christians. I didn't really sleep with him, Pastor Sarah. Just kind of did. We were just napping together. Toe line Christians. Yeah, we're single, but we're going on vacation together to the Bahamas. You single, you can't go on vacation. You Christian single. You don't get to let your evil be, your good be evil spoken of. Well, we're staying in separate rooms. Uh Oh. 
But you didn't tell us they are joining, right? Connecting. Toll line Christians. Toll line Christians. We've become emboldened by grace. (laughs) Not to run towards the throne, but to run away from it. We've allowed mercy to give us a license to sin when it's supposed to be an incentive not to. (laughs) Oh my God. What makes us okay with our sins and judge everybody else's? What makes us plead grace when we actually know better? You see, to him who knows to do good and doeth it not, the Bible says, to him it is counted as sin. When you and I know the right thing to do and we don't do it, it is called sin. I know we don't like to talk about sin no more. But it is sin. The second way is our works. We must repent in our works. Look at this. Turn to Revelation 2. Revelation 2. I know many people when they're growing up didn't want to read the book of Revelation. Kind of scared. But Revelation is a great book. It's an encouragement. You should read it. How are we going to get encouraged, Pastor Sam? We'll help you in a second. Just keep in mind, he, the Lord blesses. The Lord remembers. And he has an appointed time. But we must return to him. We return in our ways. We return in our works. Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5. It says, he was talking to the church at Ephesus. Now, this is really a triumphant church because you see, the church at Ephesus, they worshipped the goddess Diana. It was a multi-theistic society, believed in many gods, but the goddess Diana, the goddess of fertility, and for them to have a church and pull a church out and cause that church to really focus on the one true God. Ephesus was really thriving and really doing a great work. And so he says, I know your works. And I know your labor. I know you're in true kids. I know you're on the truck. And I know your patience, ushers. I know your patience. And I know how you cannot bear with them who are evil. That would be the fine arts group, you know. On the Kim. You can't bear people on the evil. And I, I, I know how you've tried them who said they're apostles and they're not. And you found them liars. And you've borne and have had patience for my name's sake. And you've labored and you haven't fainted. Nevertheless, I have something against you, word of truth. Because you have left your first love. Not everybody, but somebody this morning. Somebody this morning has left their first love. Remember, therefore, for where you have fallen... Repent and do your first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your candlestick out of your place if you don't repent. What are some of the first works we've left undone? You know, in your first love, I don't know. You know, some of you are more holy than me. You know, I was a serial dater. I confess it. I started real young too. You know, and I remember, you know, it's like Justin Bieber and Ludacris. Oh, my first love. You got me going crazy. You have that first love and you can't eat. You got to be there all day talking on the phone. 
Uh, you want to know where they are every second? Who they're talking to? You talking to me? Do you, are you thinking about me? Was I on your mind? Are you exhausted? I should have been running through your mind all day. You know, you just, you just consume. You can't talk to them enough. <laughs> and God is saying, return to those first works. That heart that we had. That when we first came into it, it was like he could have anything and everything at any time. We were so grateful that he would save us. We were so thankful that he would look upon us. We felt so wretched before his presence. We felt so, so undone before his presence. But now we have trusted in our own might. Now we come before him and we lay it down and say, Hey, I'm going to fit you in right here. He has no control in our life. And so our works, our works. You know, I, I think about it, how when life gets tough for people, that the first thing they do is cut their service in the kingdom. Oh, sorry, can't be in that department anymore. Oh, sorry, got to drop that one. But you don't go to work and drop nothing. You don't tell your boss that you can't do those extra hours. You don't tell your volunteer thing that your, your job is doing, oh, you can't show up because you got a church function. Oh, no, because see, we're not trying to impress God. We're trying to impress the world. We're trying to move up the ladder. So we cut the kingdom first. That's optional. Not remembering the kingdom is first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his right way of doing things. And then all these things will be added. It's so wonderful how, how we read and negotiate that aspect of our life and that becomes the free time in our, in our thing. You know, when you have spendable, disposable income. Our disposable time is the kingdom time. No. He says return. Return to your first works. The third way that we need to repent and return is in our wealth. In our wealth. We are stewards. We work hard. We provide for our families. This is good. This is Bible. That's, that's what we should do. Yet we must remember what Deuteronomy 28, 18 says this. It says, Otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hands has made this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you the power or the ability or the wherewithal to make wealth. And his reason is that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as is this day. His covenant is to be a blessing. Haggai 2.8 says this, All the silver and gold are mine, says the Lord of hosts. We know he's not joking. Malachi 3, 9 and 10, we repeat this, we, work, we read this all the time and it says, you know, come, return to me. And the Bible says, they said, how shall we return to you, Lord? And he says, in tithe and offering. And you see, we think that because we have been wounded in other settings, when it comes to preaching and teaching on financial stewardship, we take that same attitude and come into a place of liberal freedom and we take that filter in. And we think, okay, when they're preaching on 
finances, then it's something that's been taken away from me. And we, we see it uh, through the eyes of a crooked preacher or, or, or something like that. But you see, we don't understand that returning with our wealth is an act of worship. When we surrender that, you see, that's the only place where God said in the New Testament, you can't serve God <laughs> and money. See, it's, just, it's competition. It's a way for him to say, oh, it doesn't have your heart. huh?" You see, see, being generous and, and obeying God with your tithe and offering is the only cure to greed. Amen. Generosity is the antidote to greed. It says, you know, you shall not forget the Lord your God. He, he sees it as a sign of forgetting. When we get our wealth and, and we hoard it up and we don't obey the very simple principle of giving tithe and offering. And yet, every week for the past 11 years, five minutes service, Pastor Evan will teach us on tithe and offering. And some of us will not grasp that because we can see it as being taken away. But we have to understand the heart of God within it. It's that God is saying, can you trust me? I want you to know that in every area of your life, you can trust me. Even in your wealth, you can trust me. I've got your back. I want to, I want to open the windows of heaven. I want to open favorable opportunities and increase for you. I want to raise up someone somewhere. That's my heart for you. I only have blessing on my mind. I don't want to take anything from you, but I want you to worship me in every area. And this area I compete with the most. And so we have to return in our wealth. And the last place we have to return is in our worship. Pastor Paul, you may want to wait. You wait, come on. We're almost done. Is in our worship. Joel 2 says this. Joel 2, verse 12 to 13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting. We're doing that right now. That's a sign to him, Lord. This church, this church, we may have slipped and slid a little bit over the past year and even maybe even yesterday. But Lord, we're right in the middle of a fast. We're going to turn it around. We're going to come to you. You see, the prayer call is at seven o'clock in the morning. All of y'all need to be on the prayer call. Because it's a sign for us saying, God, we are willing. Now you say, Pastor Sarah. I'm driving at 7. I'm making breakfast for Landon at 7. I got it on speakerphone. Traveling with me strapped to my hip. Don't let that be an excuse. I'm not saying that you're not doing stuff at 7. God knows you're doing stuff at 7. But if you could just make a discipline choice. To still participate. The act of unity. Puts you under the corporate blessing. And as God accelerates and blesses and continues to expand Word of Truth Family Church, because you're under the wave, you get wet. So you must be on a prayer call. He says here, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting, with weeping, and mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. We hear that, but we don't understand it. You see, rending your garments is from the Jewish tradition called karaya. 
It's an act that is done when there's death. It's an act of grief and brokenness. And you tear your garments to symbolize that tearing away, that overwhelming sorrow. And he's saying, don't just do it on the outside. I want your heart on the inside. Broken. Because I am close to them of a contrite and broken heart. You want God to be drawn near. I want God to be drawn near to me. It requires a broken heart. Not from pain, but a broken heart saying, I'm pliable before you. I'm like Play-Doh in your hands. You can mold me any which way you want. It's okay. I may not understand it all the time, but I'll be the clay God and I'll trust my life to the potter. And sometimes you may have to slam it down and get those impurities out of me. It's okay. I I can withstand the pressure God. And sometimes you have to remold me and you have to put that fire in the kiln and, and, and hard me up Lord. But I can handle the heat God. Because at the end of the day, you have chosen to put your might and your spirit in earthen vessels. What an honor. What a privilege. Joel 2.13 continues to say, Now, right now in this moment, word of truth, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. And he is compassionate. He is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. If you will return to Almighty, you'll be restored, the Bible says, in Job 22. So what am I saying? We got to put God first. We got to return to our first love in our ways, in our worship, in our wealth. How do we do it? Two things. We do it with our pledge and our participation we have to use our words I love this scripture in Hosea it says this take words with you and return to the Lord we have to confess with our mouth we have to make a declaration of repentance in this place today because you see next week is our deeper service we're going to be worshiping God and praying for miracles and believing God for the impossible and we don't want anything hindering our phone line to God we don't want any unconfessed we don't want any rebellion and stubbornness we don't want any offense and foolishness we don't want any insecurities we don't want any jealousies or envies or angers or strife or bitterness we don't want any works of the flesh to come into the presence of God so we're going to prepare our hearts from today it says take away all of our iniquity God and receive us graciously that we may present the fruit of our lips so we must make a covenant with our lips to serve him only to rely and lean on him to look and obey this is the first thing and the second thing is we must participate we just need to do what we know to do do what you hear if you didn't acknowledge him this week this week coming up acknowledge him God direct my week I invite you spend time with him in worship spend time with him in prayer 
instead of pouring out your complaints every day, let him pour out a little. With your wealth, don't hoard it up. If you're not tithing, start today. Do it as on your way out. If you're not giving offering, do it on your way out. Simple. 